0: You're listening to The Plain Label Podcast. Hello and welcome back to The Plain Label Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Williams, and in this episode, we return to the horror genre with a look at the films Tremors and A Quiet Place, here yeah. to discuss... The film's with me is returning guest, long time coming, long time returning, Mr. Cameron Rice. Hello, I'm back. I did it. I, I climbed the top of the mountain again. I made it. I made it. I made it the top of the mountain. That's right. Before getting into our discussion, I would like to mention that we are still proud members of the Deliberate Noise Network. Go ahead and search for Deliberate Noise in your pod catcher of choice for more great shows from the network and we are also sponsored by audible for you the listeners of plain label podcast audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to check them out to download your free audiobook today go to audibletrial.com plain label again that is audibletrial.com plain label for your free audiobook mr cameron rice what are you drinking this evening so i am drinking uh,
1: i'm trying to get the
0: pronunciation correct though uh
1: tillamore tillamore irish whiskey Oh, uh, on the rocks. Nice, just oh, yeah, very on the good. Rocks, Tri- yeah. Triple, triple distilled. Very good. Um, I haven't been on for a while, so I do want to ask: Has anyone ever yet on the history of the show been like, "I didn't drink anything, but I took a hit of a big old split"? Because now <laughs> we have three states that legalize weed.
0: <laughs> Nobody said that before, but I do know several people that have told me that off the record. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I didn't actually, uh, have what I was drinking. I just, uh, am really high right now. So a few people have told me. I was like, Oh, okay. Whatever. I will say
1: there's mild disappointment in that Rachel is not here because Rachel and the horror always go well.
0: <laughs> yes. She, she always has interesting views on the, uh, on the horror films. Um the good news is is for our second film this evening I did watch this in the theater with my wife and once again for the recording with my wife so I have hot takes from her so ooh, she'll have ooh, to be wait. yeah so she'll have to substitute for Rachel for this time around So uh that's what you're drinking I'm drinking and I wish I could take a picture of this and send it to everyone right now because it is it's Red Bull and vodka but it's the regular Red Bull on the bottom and then on the top, it's this raspberry Red Bull and it looks strikingly similar to the lights in a quiet place to where mm. the, the bottom parts are like this goldish, and then the tar and the top part of the drink is like a bright red. So well, there I you like go. It. Yeah. I like it. It was not at all uh, on purpose. And I was like, Oh, I can make that look like I meant to do it. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> so yes, that's what we're drinking, and let's go ahead and get into our discussion. So our first film, it is from nineteen ninety. It is Tremors. Perfection,
1: a scorched outpost in the middle of nowhere. You know how close I am to leaving this place right now? How close.
0: Maybe that's why Val and Earl decided to leave town. <laughs>
1: That's Edgar Dean's.
0: They just picked the wrong day to do it.
1: Jeez. You guys better get the hell out of here. There's a killer on the loose. <laughs> Who could be doing
0: it? Is that a snake?
1: I'll give you, boy, $5 for this. 20. That's how they get you. They're under the ground. What the hell are those things? How could they eat a whole station wagon? But where do they come from? I vote for outer space. No way these are local boys. You see, they're headed right force! No Richter scale can
0: measure it. They're coming! No scientist can explain it.
1: Bert, they're under the ground!
0: You didn't get penetration even with the elephant gun. Run, run!
1: And no one knows what to call it. Mega worms or suckers or... Or suckoids. Now, this valley is just one long
0: smorgasbord. Now, it's up to Val and Earl to save the world. That's one big mother. Who died and made you Einstein? And they know just what to do flip for it. Damn.
1: Kevin Bacon, Fred Ward. Tremors.
0: And the IMDb plot synopsis goes like this. A small town gradually becomes aware of a strange creature which picks off people one by one. But what is this creature and where is it? At the same time a seismologist is working in the area, she detects tremors. Then it spelled it out in this description here. Dot dot dot. Quote. Tremors. Dash. (laughs) All that sort of stuff. The creature lives underground and can quote pop up without warning trapped in their town the town folk have no escape so the person that was <laughs> that was writing this was very liberal with the use of dashes ellipses uh, we got some quotation marks we got all we got all kinds of stuff in there so oh beautiful this is cameron's pick basically right this was the one that you had selected to accompany a quiet place
1: Yeah, so you threw me a list of four movies and Mm -hmm. you picked some uh, modern films. So I was like, okay, let me try and tie in, find some Mm -hmm. tie-ins for some of these. Uh, So yeah, I picked Tremors uh, to pair up with A Quiet Place, the basically uh, creatures that are going to eat a group of people.
0: (laughs) That's right. Um,
1: And they're blind. (laughs)
0: That's right.
1: Uh, And they use their hearing to to find people. Exactly,
0: yes. And what's funny is uh, I remember seeing this I think the version I saw was probably like a USA version, because I remember Reba being in it, uh, Reba McIntyre. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've definitely seen Trevor Tremors before. And so when I was watching it this time around, I was like, holy shit, like, look at how similar these sort of monsters are to A Quiet Place. I was really sort of taken aback by the sort of uh general sort of ways in which they were similar. And so I was like, "Well, look at Cameron. Look at this pic. This is a good one. This is a this is a nice connection." So uh
1: now more comedic. Yes. A little nature. just
0: just a little bit, yes. Just a little bit funnier. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All uh Kevin Bacon doesn't quite have the gravitas that John Krasinski is going for <laughs> not in this film. <laughs> so what did you what, what did you think of uh Tremors? kind of, what's your history with it? Like, is it a movie you just kind of been like, oh, shit, I can't wait to talk about some Tremors? Or is it uh, one that you just kind of paired with and then ended up, like, an okay? Or, or what's kind of your, your view? So it ended up being, like, a kind of a good mix of things.
1: Is that simultaneously, so like, uh,
0: you know, I think for us who have,
1: people who have, like, big movie collections, it's um, it's one of those cases where it's like, you'll kind of go through your library and go, oh, man, I haven't seen this one in a while. I'm itching. Um, so... Tremors, I kind of came across uh, maybe about six months ago, and I'm like, man, I got to just find the time to kind of sit down and rewatch Tremors, because um, I have one of those four discs, because it's also worth noting, Tremor has like five sequels <laughs> or six sequels. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those movies yeah. that has like so many direct-to-DVD uh, uh, sequels, uh, one of which Fred Ward did come back for part two. Oh, really? Um, and I guess the other thing, and this actually kind of, again, like uh, sometimes just the universe smiles upon you. Uh, recently they were in production and sci-fi had just passed, but they filmed it, a pilot to a Tremors TV series with Kevin Bacon returning as this character. Oh, crazy. And they filmed the pilot. There's a trailer out there for it. You can find the trailer to the Tremors TV series, but sci-fi decided to pass on it.
0: Ooh, that is not, uh, that is not great. That is, that is not real promising if sci-fi said, mm, nah, oh, this isn't yeah, nice. a little bit
1: of a bummer. So I am wondering if uh, down the line that will get released as like a, who knows, like a special feature. I could easily see a uh, Scream Factory releasing Tremors, you know what I mean, at some point. Because like, it's worth saying also, like as far as Blu-rays go, this is just kind of like, ah, here, like there's nothing extra on it. <laughs> uh, but I feel like as a movie on its own, I think I came across Tremors... Um, I imagine I imagine it was on TV. I imagine it was like being a kid. It's on TV, and you just start watching it. Uh, and it's always been a pretty, pretty big favorite since then. It kind of it's not, it's not quite here, but it's sort of like an Evil Dead Two or something. It's one of those like horror movies that's just really enjoyable and really easy to put on. Uh, it's got a great cast along with Kevin Bacon, Fred Ward. You also have Victor Wong,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and I love Victor Wong. Um, <laughs> And like we said, Reba McIntyre. There's a couple of like great little characters, and uh, this is uh, the funny thing is this is directed. It's directed by the directorial of Ron Underwood, who after this would go to make City Slickers.
0: Ah, yes. He also is uh, he's co credited with the writing of this as well.
1: Yeah, the first film. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. The, and and the, go on to. And we ahead. should also mention that Michael Gross is in this movie. Michael Gross, who is the character that kept returning the Burt Gummer. Yeah, Burt Gummer
1: I think is in all the sequels. Oh, interesting. And it's and it's Michael Turner playing him.
0: Huh. Or Michael Gross. Michael, Michael Gross. Yeah, from Family Ties is what he's best known as.
1: Oh yeah. So I think he has come yeah cuz yep, the one that just came out this year, Tremors a Cold Day in Hell, Burt
0: <laughs> Gummer. He's back. <laughs> I saw that and that's what I thought you were talking about. It was uh, about the uh, the sci-fi thing, but yeah, this year, Tremors a Cold Day in Hell, man alive. Also starring Jamie Kennedy. I know. I was just going to say, if anyone's wondering what he's doing, here you go. Here's where you can see him. We found him. <laughs> that is right. So, yeah, this was... Uh... So, to be fair, Jamie Kennedy was also in
1: part five, so he's returning.
0: Oh, okay. Well, well, there you go. As a, as
1: a, uh, Burt Gummer's son, apparently.
0: <laughs> well, shame on me for not being uh, up on my, yeah, up on my a- tremors. <laughs> Listen, you're fine. I've only seen up to part 3. So. <laughs> oh, good. 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 You know, one of so one of the things that I liked cuz I thought this was a lot of fun. I thought that this was uh for what it was going for and kind of the from obviously the budget that they had and um some of the effects that they were able to pull off. Like I thought it was all, it was a good time watching. I I really liked at the beginning of the movie how we have a pretty good stretch of the sort of typical day in these sort of uh oh uh, intellectually Nevada, intellectually Nevada. challenged guys, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Nevada town folk. Yeah, the town folk. That's right. So we had a good time sort of getting, or we had a good amount of time sort of getting to know the Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward characters. And I kind of liked that because it seems like anymore in a in a film like this, like it seems like you gotta have right away some sort of thing that the monster does or somebody that dies and then that's the threat and then you meet the people and you meet them for like maybe five minutes and then it gets into the killing of each other and the killing of the monsters and what have you. And so I like that it kind of took its time somewhat for a, you know, for a film that came out in 1990, it still took its time to introduce the characters a little bit before the creatures finally came out.
1: Yeah, I mean, I do like that it's a very tight hour and a half. It's uh, It doesn't, doesn't take too long. Uh, it doesn't like sit in things too long, which I appreciate. Uh, nowadays, if a movie is under two and a half hours, it gets an automatic star.
0: <laughs>
1: it's uh, very beneficial, I think, for me to be like, oh, thank God, they're going, they're going. <laughs> um, this does have the uh, – you're right, no one dies at the very beginning, but other than that – it is very kind of reminiscent
0: of jaws oh it's very especially with the point of view from the monster and
1: the point of view of the monster i a lot of the music also like i actually really like
0: the score this is the first
1: time i think the score really stood out to me and lots of scenes of like people standing now it's a desert but they're standing on like these little rocks or these little (laughs) things as these creatures are kind of circling them Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's a lot of jaws in this movie
0: yeah there really is what did you think of the actual creature design and the creatures themselves
1: I pre I liked it I liked that it was really simple I liked the like multi tongue thing
0: mm-hmm.
1: um I think is really good um and I really liked uh i man there's something about practical effects because I have not seen the last two tremors movies it wouldn't shock me if they're cG creatures
0: oh I would. I would imagine I mean even looking at the little poster here for a cold day in hell I mean there's no way they're making that
1: yeah so there's something about having that practical effect and these things being like goopy like the, the number of shots that just concentrate on like this spit liquid hitting rock Uh that's staying on it um also for whatever reason one of the things that stood out to me about this movie forever was the orange blood
0: oh yeah i like that i like the orange blood i was the scene that i really remembered very well was when they blow up one of them later and then all of the guts sort of fall on them yes like that was one that stuck in my mind and i was like oh yeah this is that scene okay here's this i remember this and so i did i did get a kick out of that and I like how it just is this gross thing. And yeah. they kind of really emphasized how gross it is. Well I also appreciate that like they never really explain what it was. Like there's
1: this, there's a scene where they're uh the three of them are on the rock and it's like radio radioactivity. Uh, ah no. The government they don't. <laughs> right. ah, And they're going through all the possible... But they never actually explain what the Tremors are.
0: Yeah, they don't explain... And I wrote this down at the beginning. I was like, okay, so Jaws-like point of view. Why and how? Like, what are these things doing? Why are they here? You know, why are they just wanting to kill these people? Like, it doesn't make any real sense to me. And then at the end, I was like, well, there's no explanation. And it ended up being totally fine. It totally didn't make... You know, like a difference to me to where I didn't need some government agent and like, oh, we found them or whatever. You know, I didn't need anything like that.
1: Yeah. But well, it I was a, that, it like, was a
0: little bit like, well, what the hell? Like, where where did these guys come from?
1: Well, I kind of like that because I think for me now, it's like they're they're sometimes like, man, there are sometimes people can get so. And I, I, I'm very interested to see what some of the complaints are going to be about A Quiet Place, because I kind of appreciate when a movie doesn't get so bogged down in. I'm just going to call it bullshit. <laughs> like at the end of the day, it's a monster movie about worms eating people. I don't need a scene of a guy in a suit being like, well, let me tell you what this is about. Cause it's like, no, 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 no. I don't give a shit. I don't care. Yeah. Like, that's just not... give me cool. Give me cool scenes of worms eating people and uh, make it funny. It's like the groundhog's day thing. Like groundhog's day is great because we can all assume it's about him learning a lesson. That's definitely what it's about, but no one shows up. There's no angel. There's no character in groundhog's day. That's like, this is what you're going through. You got to go to the library and you got to read about this uh, ancient legends of the groundhog <laughs> and all this shit that people are like, no one really cares.
0: right? <laughs> yeah. Just give me more Bill Murray being funny. I don't give a shit about the reasoning why he went into this yeah, thing or whatever. And
1: I think there's a lot of horror movies now that can get really bogged down and trying to be like, Oh, it's, it's a curse. So we got to have the professor character be like, Oh, let me find this old book. It's like, sometimes like, no, just he's a monster. It's a monster, there's a monster there, and that's
0: it. Yeah, well, I'm I'm very glad they didn't do something like that with Victor Wong's character, having been like, oh, I know what it is. It's this ancient prophecy of blah, blah, blah. Oh, thank, thank God. You know what I mean? Like, I could have easily seen it go in that direction, and I would have, I mean, I'd still be picking my eyes up off the ground from them rolling out of my head sort of a thing.
1: I know. my God. You'd
0: be like, so... oh, no. <laughs> like, ah, where's my remote? Let I me mean, just fast forward through this bit.
1: Yep. Oh, here comes some new character. He looks like a government agent. Got to get past these scenes. <laughs> that's
0: right. So, yeah, I liked uh I liked how it didn't overexplain. I think that that's I think that that's pretty key in in some films where if you don't have a really solid explanation, then don't even bother. Like if you've got something that is really important to the movie, okay, fine. But if it doesn't doesn't ultimately matter, then who cares?
1: Well, I think it's got to be, a, it's it, it's a case of what is a movie about? And I don't necessarily mean like plot. I mean like what's it about as far as like what's it trying to do? What's the story it's trying to tell? At the end of the day, Tremors is just trying to be like a fun horror film. Uh, and that's why like there's a lot of complaints. I'm sure we'll talk about it when we get to a quiet place that I think are such bullshit. <laughs> that I'm like, that's not what the movie's about. <laughs> like that's not what, that's just not what the movie's about. So I think like Tremors knows exactly what it is and how it has to do it and does it. So well, I love all the little sequences. the the uh, The other thing that always said out to me was the car being pulled down. That, oh, like, family yes, post, that with family car. The old couple with the generator. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so and then so them hearing the radio exactly. as uh, Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward show up.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's what I like about it because you're like, God, how how fucking weird would that be? Like, if you go yeah. and you see this license plate in the dirt, and you're like, what? And you realize that this car is in the ground, and you can hear the radio still. But yeah, I really, I also mentioned in my notes that the, this old couple with the generator, I liked that they felt like they were a, like real people, sort of. Yes. You know, for the type of movie that this is, I was like, oh, these are, it's not like they're real nuanced, but like these seem like actual people. Okay. I, I can get along with them. And I liked that they were, you know, squabbling somewhat or they had like, their, they were like having regular discussions. They weren't really types. Um, because I think that in a movie like this, you, there's a real fine line where you can have fun with the characters, but then they can also just be such goofy, like distractions to what the people that are watching the movie are really interested in, which is the creatures. Right. To where these guys were like, they had some personality, but you weren't like, um, you weren't overthinking things. Like you had Valentine, isn't that what Kevin Bacon's name, his character's name is? Yeah, Valentine McKey, Val, yeah. yeah, Val. He, you know, his uh his whole thing is he's got this certain type of woman in his mind that he likes, right? And oh Finn yeah, Carter... and legs <laughs> that go up
1: forever.
0: <laughs> that's, that's right. And Finn Carter, isn't that what uh the oh, actress's yeah. name that plays? Oh, sorry, sorry, yeah, yeah. Uh, that plays Rhonda LeBeck. Is that her name? Rhonda LeBeck. And uh so you know, she she is kind of this goof. At the beginning, which is a, which was a weird choice, I thought that they have the sunscreen, which you know is like code for her being a nerd, and she's kind of awkward a little bit. But then at the end, she's kind of sort of like the little uh she's like Reba McIntyre light to where she's a little bit of a, like a kickass heroine. And I'm like, well, yeah. okay, well, whatever. It, just, it doesn't really matter. Like, she can be a seismologist and also kick these things as ass. Like, that's fine. Um, but I did like how. His whole thing was, you know, his, his little arc was he didn't like any women except for this one type. And then he sort of matured throughout the, throughout the movie because it's about his maturity, Cameron. That's what the movie is about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and so I thought that that was good. But one of the other things that I really enjoyed about the movie was it was completely okay with being over the top and going for jokes. And some of them is is things that I wish that people would do more in movies like this, where they kill that first creature, and they kind of, I think it was the first one, and they kind of do it by accident, where they're just running away from. Oh, it. Oh yeah,
1: where it like runs into that kind of like I guess like ditch river. Yeah, thing. it's
0: like this uh, cement. It's like a it's like a <laughs> it's like a ditch, but it's cemented to make sure that the water gets to the town. It seems like to me. Uh, but anyway, so it's either that one or it's the next one where. I, um They kill it and he screams, We killed it. Fuck you. Like, and I loved that. That Kevin Bacon has this big fuck you to what, either the first or the second creature that dies. And, and, uh. I think it's the first. Is it? That's okay. the first one that dies. Cause they, they have that moment where they think they saved the town. They're like, Oh, well, at least it's oh, dead. <laughs> and then they find out there's three more. Uh, and so, yeah, I really, I really like that because that genuinely made me laugh. And there was a, there was like a couple of moments that genuinely made me laugh in this movie. And I was kind of, uh, happily surprised by that. Oh,
1: that's so good.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I also did really enjoy that the, that they, uh, I I mean, when I'm watching it, I, I take it as they're not taking themselves too seriously by having the pole vaulting scene in there.
1: Well, yeah. And I love, I love little sequences like that. Mm -hmm. Like that one to me is a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. The pole vaulting sequence is a lot of fun. Um, uh, yeah, the truck, the car sequence. I love. I love them all on the roof. Uh-huh.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh huh.
1: And and I really, I really love the um, uh, oh god, pogo stick.
0: Oh, <laughs> that girl with the pogo stick. Yeah.
1: Oh, uh, the girl who, who would later go on to do Jurassic Park.
0: Oh, holy shit! That's right. Yeah, that's Lex. That's uh, the I
1: don't know the actress's name.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't oh, even yeah. think about that. Now that you mention it, though, I it's like oh, of course that's her. Huh. So yeah, so I I did like that. I like how. Ho- the Gummers are just kind of this crazy secluded uh you know family that is ready for all of the sort of nuclear fallout and all of that kind of stuff and they're oh, ready they're, first, they're, they're ready. all making fun of them
1: that are like these people are psychos
0: <laughs> and then it's
1: like and then when they jump into and I also I love a movie where they where you can make your own convoy war truck
0: <laughs>
1: right. I mean, this Land of the Dead, The Dawn of the Dead remake, any movie, horror movie, where it's like, look, we we made this like war truck. I'm like, I'm in.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a lot of, it is a lot of fun, and I'm glad that the, I guess ultimately, I'm glad that the monsters themselves aren't just stupid things that get just sort of slaughtered one by one. Like I'm, I'm glad that they did have to sort of change their tactics and figure things out a little bit. Well, I also though, appreciate yeah. None of them die the same way. None mm-hmm. of the creatures die the same way. Mm-hmm. And I love that final sort of death where it just goes off and splats on the ground. Oh yeah, and he's I like, like I "Oh, you can fly!" Yeah, I was like, "That is so good." Like practically, that looks so that looks so good. Like that looks so much better than if they were to CGI it. Uh, uh, because yeah. you could just feel this this sort of model that they made up just sort of flopping on the ground from like four feet away or whatever it really was, you know. And um, and so yeah, I just thought that that looked I just thought that that looked really good, especially for 1990.
1: Well, there's something about it being practical that like makes it way more gross. Mm-hmm. And because like again, the color choice and the, the sound effects, and everything. Oh God, I love tremors.
0: Yeah, they. Uh... They really kind of... It, like, plops on the ground before it looks like it's dying. Like, it's got this sort of gross, like, fatness to this monster.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, and that's the thing. Like, uh, the one that blows up, there's, like, a white liquid in there as well. Like, it's not just all orange. It's... And it's bubbling.
0: Gross. It's, like... (laughs) It's genuinely gross. So, you're like, ugh, what the hell is this? Yeah. I don't want any part of that. You know? So, So, yeah. So, I don't... I didn't mind, uh... You know, I think it actually added to the movie that we didn't really find out what it was there for and what the reasoning was. And, you know, because like you had said a few times, that's not what the movie's about. The movie's about this group that has to kill these monsters at the end. So, and I think yeah. that it did that in a really effective way.
1: I think that was, a, that was kind of a big thing about like 80s and 90s horror movies is like, sometimes you would get explanations that were like, even, which were stranger, which kind of made them funnier. Like, um... It's a simple explanation. His explanation is I love like the Nightmare on Elm Street explanation where it is just like, uh, he k- killed the parents, the parents killed him and now he's back for vengeance. That's all you need to know. Because mm-hmm. then when he gets to part six and it's like, oh, it was these ancient demons and they, they were there when he was getting killed and that's what gave him. And you're like, oh no, <laughs> he ruined <laughs> it. He yeah. Why? would I explain explained it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is kind of a, a sign of the times. Well, and when would have, when would that have come out though? Because that's. Probably what, uh, like mid-90s? Final
1: Friday 90s? would have been, or sorry, uh, Freddy's Dead would 91, maybe?
0: Yeah, so that's, it's not like it was a cultural thing, because this is, a, you know, an hour and a half. and
1: Yeah, Freddy's he, Dead is 91.
0: Yeah. It's not like, uh, you know, sort of our modern stylistic choices where everything has to be two and a half hours again, like you mentioned earlier.
1: Well, that's always the thing that you got to end up doing now is like, and that's what all the horror franchise sequels ended up doing eventually was like, you had to do, uh, you know, you had to, um, first of all, uh, Jason, you had to explain. It's like, oh, well, this is how he blah, 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 blah in, fr- in the final Friday. And then in Halloween part six, they have to be like, oh, there's a cult of Michael Myers and that's how he's able to survive and keep living. And that's why he wants to kill his family. And you're like, no,
0: <laughs> don't, give don't me do that any effect. of this. That's right. That's right. Well, do you have anything else about uh, about tremors before we move on there, Mr. Cameron?
1: Um, I am now tempted to see part two because it's been a while, and I remember thinking it was pretty good. Hmm. And I love Fred Ward. Fred Ward is an actor who gets no amount of love, and he's so great, and he's so grizzled. I don't know if he's ever not been
0: fifty. Yeah, <laughs> he really was a lot of fun in this. Like, I really, I really wish that I would see would have seen more things with him in it because. I feel like watching this. I'm like, God, like I've I've got time for Fred Ward in my life. Like I need to see more things that he's uh, been in. Well, you
1: got Naked Gun three.
0: <laughs> I've seen the right stuff. I've seen Chain Reaction and I've seen Tremors. I'm not sure what else.
1: Uh, Remo Williams, I would recommend.
0: Okay. Oh, Remo I've seen Williams, United Adventure States Begins. of Terror, I've seen that.
1: Yeah, but that's not his movie. He's just yeah.
0: in it. Yeah, I guess uh, just looking through his filmography, that seems like most of the things that I've seen. Shortcuts. I would. I've I seen. would. Uh,
1: shortcut. Yeah, I'd give a high recommend to. Uh, Remo, Remo Williams, Blair.
0: the adventure begins, or. Yeah. Okay. And there's was... only one. It was. Okay. It was
1: a, that was kind of it's <laughs> sort of like a buckaroo bonsai where it's supposed to be like, uh, oh, there's all these adventures. <laughs>
0: Gotcha. They never
1: made made another
0: one. As I was scrolling down, it had the old colon in there. So I was like, oop, maybe this is a sequel. (laughs) Remo Williams. All right. I will check that. I will check that out. Okay. So before moving on to a quiet place, uh, we should mention that we are also sponsored by Blue Apron. Blue Apron delivers all the fresh ingredients and recipes you need in exactly the right proportions to make simple, seasonal, home cooked meals. New recipes are created each week by Blue Apron's culinary team. So you'll learn to cook with new ingredients, cuisines, and cooking techniques. Meals are between 500 and 800 calories and start at just eight seventy-four per serving. You can choose vegetarian, classic, or family plan options. And if you want to add in some wine, Blue Apron can do that as well. Shipping is always free. Just follow the link in our show notes or head over to blueapron.com and enter the promo code Label. Discover Blue Apron, a better way to cook. In our second film from this year, from 2018, it is A Quiet Place. The IMDb plot synopsis for this one is two parents do what it takes to keep their children safe in a world full of creatures hunting every sound they can hear. Not a not a sound can be heard from the family hiding in silence, but all it takes is one noise and everything can go wrong. That's confusing. Okay, so this is A Quiet Place. Cameron, tell me uh, about your history with this one. Did you go to the theater and see this when it came out? Like This was a, one of those that was kind of, Kind of sort of snuck in there a little bit and then became like a huge deal, it seems like to me, or it became yeah. very popular. Yeah. Definition of a sleeper
1: hit. Um, so, yeah, I saw this in theaters a couple days after it came out. I went to an early morning screening. It was me and a couple other people in the theater. Perfect. Uh, oh, that's the way I like it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was just only a couple of us. And I really, really, really dug this movie. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies of the year because it did come out this year. Mm-hmm. Um And, yeah, I don't know I felt like it's very interesting Because I feel like uh I feel like yeah, had a couple things happen First, like like you said, the movie kind of snuck up on people Like it came out and I think everyone was like, whoa You know what I mean? Because I think, honest, I, I think putting it out there I think people were surprised John Krasinski had this in him Absolutely, yes As a director mm-hmm. And so I think there was at first that feeling of like, holy smokes And then people saw it And it became a big deal And the internet nitpickers came out. (laughs) And holy fucking crow. (laughs) I don't know how. Listen, art is subjective.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But holy shit, there are some nitpicks that I am like, how do you watch anything?
0: (laughs) How do you live with yourself, sir? (laughs) My God. And I'm not saying this is a perfect
1: movie, but my God, some of the shit people complained about.
0: Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Before getting into some of the nitpicks, uh, I watched this with my wife. She is a fan of horror movies, but she is very tense during all of them. Like she is the person who's got like her head tilted back and like her face kind of, you know, like scrunched up and is like uh, through most of the movie. And so she's a perfect person to watch horror movies with because she's not the the one that's like, oh, that doesn't look fucking real. You know, she's not the person doing that throughout the movie. Right. And so uh, we watched this. And I think I I think we had seen maybe one trailer and it was a deal where we were sort of free for the day, which is, you know, rare when you have a 10 year old and we're like, well, hey, let's just go see this. And so we did. And we had a similar experience to where we were. I think there was two or three other people in there uh, when we went to the theater. And I was like, holy shit, this movie's all going to be like it's actually going to be silent. And I was like, oh, fucking A. <laughs> and so I thought it was so good. Like, I couldn't believe. And it was a thing where I didn't know that John Krasinski was the director. I knew that he obviously was starring. And in one a, of the writers, too. Yeah, and, and one of the writers. And so I didn't know that he was doing that until we were in the theater and it, his name came up. And I was like, whoa. And so I have uh, things to talk about about him as a director. but But yeah, so we really enjoyed it and then when i told her we were going to do this for the for the podcast i was like well do you want to watch that and she's like yeah sure and so we watched it here at home again and i thought it was just as effective and and it made me jump in you know cuz it was i had enough distance to where we saw it when it came out and and now it's been a few months and so i didn't remember every one of the beats where there was sound or where there was something that happened and and man it kept making me jump and it it makes you realize like how important sound is in horror films. And oh, it's something my God. that it's something that sounds super elementary, but it's like, God, this plays with the actual sound so well. And I was, I was really impressed. And I thought that John Krasinski did a tremendous job.
1: Yeah. I love the set and uh, the score, which is very minimal by uh, Marco Beltrami. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also really, really enjoy it. It's very simple. It's a very simple score, but it like, really undercuts uh, uh, undercuts a lot of things in a great way. Um, And it's also actually somewhat similar to his Logan score the year prior.
0: Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Uh, So one of the first things that I wanted to talk about is I wanted to just talk about the cast. And, you know, there's a little bit of to-do to be made about how, you know, Emily Blunt – and John Krasinski are married, which I didn't know because I don't really keep up on stuff like that. Oh,
1: interesting. Yeah.
0: And so after the fact, I found out, you know, I was like, oh, really weird. And then, you know, I uh you watch the making of and you find out about how she, you know, didn't want anyone else to play the role and about how she essentially demanded her way into the movie and that sort of stuff. And not demanded in a bad way, but just was very encouraging about how she wanted to play it. And uh, and so I thought that they were both tremendous And you know we are currently In a rewatch of The Office And so it's it was A lot easier than I thought it was Going to be of seeing the Jim Character or the actor that Played Jim not be him on Screen because at first you know I remember Seeing a couple of things that he had made In the sort of Office um, Era And I was like oh yeah okay it's this is John Krasinski trying to play Jim and he's trying to Trying not to play Jim, and he's trying to just separate himself out. I don't know if that's really working that well, but he looked, you know, he looked incredibly different and he just has this much more sort of masculine look and much more of like a, a father figure look about him just by, you know, having a, a decent haircut. We'll say it that way and a, uh, just this beard and it just adds ears on him and just makes him look more like a man. And I was well, like, well, he oh, also, he also I got really. He got really pumped up for the
1: Michael Bay movie he did.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. That, uh, I don't remember. 13 13 hours. 13
1: hours. Yeah. And I guess he's pretty much stayed that way since then, because now he's also all ripped up for uh, Jack Ryan.
0: Yeah. And I I didn't realize that he had filmed all of Jack Ryan right before doing this movie.
1: Yeah. Which, that's also crazy.
0: Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? Like, wow. Jack Ryan was in production for a long time, or in post-production for a long time then. Oh, Yeah. yeah. Well... Yeah, I mean, well, I guess when you're stringing together ten episodes, yeah, it's like either that or a quiet place like was filmed, edited, and and put out like right away, which with a horror movie possible, yeah, it could be. <laughs> it be possible. One of the things uh, that was interesting in the in the behind the scenes stuff is they talked about location and about how they wanted to get that corn for those scenes, and they talked about how they had to they had to plant the, their own corn, you know, months before they even started pre production because they they needed to have the corn ready to go. And as someone that lives in the Midwest, I'm like, oh, okay, I understand that. Oh, sure, corn, yeah. You can't just <laughs> fetch the corn, yeah. <laughs> that makes total sense.
1: Yeah. Uh, but speaking of the cast, yeah, I think Emily Blunt is phenomenal, uh, and the young actress that they hired who plays the daughter, who is deaf in real life.
0: Yeah, Millicent is her name. Yeah. I, think. Uh,
1: I thought she did great. Yeah, this cast for me was like top to bottom great. I love the way the movie starts. Like again, similar to Tremors, it just kind of throws you in the world. There's not. There's an explanation as far as like they're aliens. That's kind of all you get. Mm -hmm. And other than that, it is it it is go go go. The opening
0: with the sun, I think, is great. Oh, Uh, I shocked the shit out of me the first time I saw it.
1: Oh uh, yeah, you could. I mean, throughout the whole movie, you could hear a pin drop. But that was the one of those moments in the theater where like the audience like silently (laughs) gasped.
0: Because I remember we watched that when we were watching it in the theater. I went oh, (laughs) you know, because I was like oh no, and then and I reacted at the toy, not necessarily at the, the creature and the the actual death, because it's like they had, and, and I guess I'll get into this now. So what they did was that they, they set everything up so well, and then they pay everything off. Like this movie for me and John Krasinski for me as a director in this movie, he does such a good job of, it's not real fancy. Like, it's not like, um, He's not trying to be, like, artistic, I would say. He's just setting things up and then paying them off in very effective ways. And the most obvious and the most simple one is, you know, the nail scene. Uh, we have the batteries in the toy oh, yeah. scene. Oh, you know, everything is just, it's set up, and then we come back to it. And everything just is, like, nice and neat and tied together. And and I just was like, God, this is so well directed, I thought. Like, it just, everything did- is just makes complete sense.
1: What I like about it is, it feels like an old um, kind of Twilight Zony sci-fi story, in that it's like I feel like the writers basically went, "What's the worst possible thing that can happen in this situation? Okay, let's do that thing." Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where you get to some some of the nitpicks where people are like, "Why would they? Ha- why would they have a baby? Why would you have a baby?" And it's like because you're sitting there going, "What's the worst possible thing to have in this world?" <laughs> uh, and I like that. I like when writers go, "Okay." what's the worst thing that could happen this let's do that. Now what happens after that?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think this movie does an excellent job of that.
0: Yeah. Because babies naturally bring all of like all kinds of tension. Right. And well,
1: between, between the birth and then the fact that you, everything is about like a pin drop is deadly. So you're going to bring a crying infant, which, uh, so I think this is where we kind of, we kind of get into the nitpicks and I actually want to call out this great video by this YouTuber, uh, Patrick H. Uh, Willems, who did a video called uh, – it's a pretty harsh title, but I love the title uh, – uh, Shut Up About Plot Holes.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: And basically pointing out that people might not actually know what a plot hole really is, in mm. that a plot hole is when a movie breaks its own setup universe logic. Right. It's not – a character doing something you would not have done.
0: <laughs> so what are some of the things that they bring up for plot holes in this movie? Like what are some of the critiques that uh, the, the trolls have brought up? Why would they have a baby? Okay. Well, because uh, they wanted to have sex because their world's terrible.
1: The world's terrible. And also it's like, well, as a natural storytelling element, it's pretty good idea to be able to go again. What's the worst possible thing? Having a baby. Yeah, Great, exactly. Because
0: like, the baby can't understand. You can't cry. Oh, it's so good. Right. So that, I mean, that to me makes complete sense because you're in this, you're in this, you know, this post-apocalyptic world. Everything's terrible. You're you scrounging for everything. Yes. So I can see if you're in this situation, what do you have left? Will you have the companionship of your wife? hmm And it's not like you're going to be searching for birth control or something.
1: right? And also, and so, and I've got, Talk about all these in a moment when I talk about yeah <laughs> sure, what what sure. is a what is a movie about? Uh-huh. Um, the other nitpick is why don't they just live near the waterfall? Hmm. Because apparently people just wanted a movie of John Krasinski building a house next to a waterfall because <laughs> that's a that's a good story.
0: <laughs> yeah, and no, also that's not a story.
1: And that also makes no sense to me because I'm like, what do you what do you mean? Like how when people say that and people a lot of people say that a lot of people say that. I'm like, what do you mean? Did you, in all honesty, how was he going to do that? Do you know how a house works with foundation? Yeah, like how is he going to build
0: the house quietly?
1: And I guess the idea is the like, they could just live in tents. And I'm like, cool, I guess. Like, I, again, I'm like, that's not what the movie is about. That's yeah. not what the story they're trying to tell. Um, <laughs> That one drives me insane. That's that ridiculous. one's like, Wow. That's... I'm like, what are you talking about? And that also completely strips. Of, and, and, So one of the things uh, Patrick Rowland points out, which I love, is that, like, usually nowadays people pointing out, like, plot holes or logic gaps, all this stuff, he goes, it all comes down to logic. And he goes, but at the end of the day, human beings are not logical. Mm -hmm. In in real life, we're not logical creatures. And he said also the entire – he goes, that's what sort of uh, Star Trek and the Klingons are about – Star Trek and um, Vulcans are about, is that they are so logical that they're not human. They are Mm -hmm. too logical. They have no emotional center and all this other stuff. And so it's like if every character acted like a Vulcan, you wouldn't have a story, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you wouldn't have character (laughs) conflict, and you wouldn't have all the things that make a movie a movie. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are the two biggest nitpicks I've ever heard. Is like why are they having a baby, and why don't they just live near the waterfall? Ridiculous. Um, And again, because be to me the movie is about. Family and the conflict that comes up with the family Especially yeah. the stuff with John Krasinski and his daughter <laughs> yeah, what Whether would or you... not they live next to the Waterfall is not Adding to that story and the whole entire scene About that waterfall scene is it's supposed to be A sense of relief for him and his son But even him and his son they're still like They have to get behind the waterfall Even when they're near the river he's still sign languaging mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah it's uh I think those are ridiculous um, Because the movie is about What would you do to protect your family Yes. Right. It's not about, Oh, well they would have a better quality of life if they lived by this waterfall.
1: Not by it, behind it,
0: behind it. Yeah. In it would this have to like, be behind it. in this like three foot area. Cause I,
1: the movie makes it very clear when he's next to the river, he still has to do sign language. Mm-hmm. He's mostly just pointing out to his son that the river's loud. So don't worry about the fish flopping around, but they're still doing sign language. That's the thing is like, that's a deliberate choice by a filmmaker in that they are still doing sign language next to the river. It's
0: only once they're behind the waterfall. Oh my goodness! Yeah, those I just don't. Uh, I guess this is one of the reasons why I'm glad that I don't read a lot of film criticism. Um, well, I have to as part of my job, <laughs> and so it would just like I don't know. I feel like I would I would just bang my head into the wall. I wouldn't understand. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> like you mentioned earlier, that's not that's not the premise of a movie.
1: That's, well, it, that's how do you yeah.
0: survive? That's how do you survive, and that's it. And then you just like sit there and be miserable the whole time.
1: Which I guess, like, if this was like, well, we talked about before, The Edge, and it's Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin, and the bear can't get behind the waterfall, then I'd be like, yeah, I'd probably spend a good chunk of time behind that waterfall. Mm -hmm. But that's Mm -hmm. because that's what that movie's about, is survival.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's also about, um, one of the things that I really like is that this is the daughter is not a perfect character. Because I think that when you have a character that has a disability, I think it's so easy to say, okay, well, we'll make her the savior. It's almost like treating a disability like it's twee. Right. And so I like the fact that she essentially gets her little brother killed. And I like the fact that she can't quite figure out what's going on with the hearing aid until, spoilers, until after her father dies. And yeah. I like that there's all of these things that, if she's this perfect character that we get sometimes, she would have figured those things out or she may have made one mistake but wouldn't have made the other and i I love the fact that it's like, no, she is imperfect. She goes storming off because she has all of this guilt, she has all of this regret, she wants to be like her father, even though he won't let her, and you know, she is unable to sort of make the make sense of the thing that would save his life and then ultimately you know ultimately it's an uplifting ending but it's like you know look at what this character had to go through and look at what these three characters have had to go through
1: and then you get that awesome shot of emily black oh, Got it
0: so good <laughs> that's that's one of my favorite endings to a movie in a while <laughs> they get it figured out look at each other and and then it ends perfect Man, that's that's very good. That's very good. What uh, what did you think of? And this is one of the small bits in the movie that just kind of adds a little bit of uh, the world. But what did you think of the old man in the forest?
1: I, I dug it again. Like I think, like it go, it kind of goes with that thing for me of like, what's the worst thing that could happen?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And like, if you run into someone who's emotionally distraught and just like, I'm done.
0: Yeah, and I thought that that was it's something about that toothless man and the way that he sort of sucks his lips in and then screams. And I was so sort of disturbed by the way that they, like it, it reminded me of something like a Cronenberg sort of a situation to where I was like, God, did they do makeup on his face? Like it looks so odd before he screams to where I was like, Oh no, don't do it. You know? And you're just sitting there just gripping your chair, not wanting him to, to blow it for everybody.
1: Yeah. It's, Mm. Oh man, it's such a great scene. Like that's the thing. It's like, this movie is just filled with so much great, great tension.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, we have, you know, we have, um, the, the scene that I think is probably the hardest for most people, which is the whole nail sequence. And it is played a little mm. bit different than Home Alone plays it, but it's essentially a little bit, a little bit, bit but it, I, I love the fact that, and I think the thing that makes it for me, is I don't know that I've been able to sit and watch it through the actual impact, right? The, the actual foot hitting this that that tread. <laughs> Cause I think I always wince or turn my head. Oh my but God. it's the fact that then then it's stuck is what really gets me. Cause then she's oh, having yeah. to like slowly sort of pull it out of there and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> that's so bad. Whew. Whew, that gets me every time. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I, it, there's so much about the movie that I'm like, oh, I love this film. Like, mm-hmm. I've watched it a number of times. I have the 4K, just a good little, just a good little pop-in film. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's really good. Like I said, I think it's it's so smart in the way that it just, uh, you know, it sets everything up perfectly, and then it pays everything off. And it's not, it's not trying to do too much. It, it sort of knows what it is, and you know, there's thank God there's no sort of scene at the end. they don't do like a Cloverfield lane sort of a situation where they try to open Uh it up at the Uh end. And I would have been, you know, that would have really kind of sent it down the wrong way in my eyes. So what did your wife say about it? So she watched it and it's funny. She, she won't love that. I said this, but she watches, she watched the movie and was visibly sweating when it was over because she was so tense and just, like, sitting there and just, you know, gripping the chair, um, she it's was... A, it's a shirt-changer of a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. That's, that should be on the poster. And so she thought it was really good. She thought it was really scary. She thought it, you know, she agreed that it sort of um, didn't leave her really, like, wanting more. It just kind of wrapped everything up in exactly the right way sort of a thing. Um, she just kind of was really into a movie and she's not really like that in horror movies. Usually she's like, Oh, you know, this person was so dumb. I didn't really like this or, or this character was so unrealistic that this was ridiculous. And so it's a movie, you know, where you, you are forced to pay close attention because not only, you know, you're reading subtitles, but there's no sound to sort of guide you through the movie. And so it's, it makes you pay that much more attention. And I think that that really worked for her. And so I'm, I'm eagerly anticipating, uh, a horror movie that is, um, coming up next week because we watched the trailer for Hereditary before this movie and she was freaked the fuck out and didn't want any part of that, but I'm definitely making her watch it.
1: Oh yeah, you gotta let me know how that one
0: goes. And so we'll see, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I was like, you know, that trailer came on and she's like, Oh, no way. And I was like, no, we're definitely seeing that one. <laughs> and so i've i've uh i don't know why i just kind of keep putting it off but yeah that's that's one of the shows that will be uh one of the movies that we'll, we'll be talking about for next show
1: so let me ask you this what do you think of? it's already been announced uh a quiet place
0: Two. who uh i don't know what i think about that i guess what's who's involved with it uh at the
1: as of uh, the most recent thing, because he's he was doing press for uh, Jack Ryan. So September 4th, so only a couple days ago, really, like a week ago, uh, John Krasinski said, I can totally see myself handing the reins over to someone else. It's really just about finding the right story. I know Paramount announced it, and I really want to do it. Uh, I really credit them with allowing us to very uh, gently get in the water. It's really nice of them to do, because a lot of places would just make it. Uh, we're just trying to find the right story right now that connects to the first one. Hmm. So it sounds like he pretty much is just like, I want to wait to find a good script or story. I don't know if we'd follow uh, uh, Emily Blunt's character in the family or it would just be like, and now here's another part. Like, I could very easily see A Quiet Place 2 being in
0: a city. Hmm.
1: And it's here's another family.
0: Boy, I don't know. I guess I would have just liked, I mean, and I get this doesn't make sense for Hollywood because it's made a lot of money. But I this was.
1: I, I think it's, it's worth it. it. made disgusting amounts of money. Like it was like surprising to people. Like it, it, that weekend it opened, I think everyone was like, oh yeah, you know, it'll do horror movie numbers. It'll get like maybe 20 to 30 and do really well. I think it opened to like 60 million dollars. Like it was a massive like shock to everybody.
0: Yeah, it looks like the worldwide gross is 332 million off of a 17 million budget.
1: Yeah. So you can see why Paramount's like, and also because it's Paramount who honestly, The last two years has really struggled outside of this and Mission Impossible.
0: Mm -hmm. So
1: you can see why they're like, oh, we
0: got something. (laughs) Yeah, just uh, let's just hitch our wagon to that. So I don't know. I guess it all ultimately depends on who they get to direct it, if if it's not going to be him, and, and sort of what the screenwriters come up with. Because I believe that this was a spec script that got purchased.
1: It was a spec script that, yeah, I think uh, then he came on and did uh, at least a, enough of a rewrite to get a writing credit
0: on. Right, yeah, because I know that Brian Woods and Scott Beck, the, those are the story and and the co screenwriters. They have been doing uh, like different screenwriting. Uh, they've been basically doing the rounds on on sort of uh, inputting what people that want to break into Hollywood should and should not do with their screenplays. Right. Right. Yep. And so there's been a bunch of stuff with that. And I'm kind of like, well, I mean, as far as I know, this is, this is like your spec that got purchased. Like maybe just put your head down and do another one. Like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It just seems just keep, like maybe you just, just keep at it boys. Just keep at it. <laughs> yeah. It just seems like maybe you caught lightning in a bottle and you want to just keep on keeping on first. But you know, they've got, they've got, they've got, you know, 12 different things listed in their, uh, listed in their credits. And most of them are shorts or a TV movie, but, but they have this and they have haunt, which is in post-production now, which is obviously a horror movie by the title of it. And then a quiet place Two has been announced for 2020, but it just says for characters, they're not, they're not even the uh, official screenwriters yet. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So I don't know. So, I mean, it would, uh, Man, if I was those, if I was those two guys, though, I'd be like, "No, this is mine. I will write it. Thank you. It'll cost you this much." Uh, but I, <laughs> but I've got an idea, and we're gonna, we're gonna have uh, Rain Wilson. He's gonna be the main guy, and we're gonna find another person from the office, and it'll be fine. Hot
1: off, off, the meg.
0: <laughs> That's right. That's right. Or uh, Star Trek Discovery, maybe again. Who knows? Uh, so yeah. So I no uh, but even I if the sequel sucks, hey, man. This one still stands out as awesome. Yeah, it is. It is. It's really good. It's a it's a uh it's a Blu-ray that I have on the top of my uh Amazon wish list that which why which my mother uses to purchase me Christmas gifts. She's like, no, <laughs> there "You know what? I don't want to guess. Just throw whatever you want on your Amazon wish list and I'll just get you something from there." Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> so I know that I'm going to like it. <clears throat> but yeah, I did uh you know, and if people haven't checked out the actual physical DVD. There is some, some decent behind the scenes extras. We do get a little John Krasinski talking about, um, you know, the, the behind the scenes stuff, like the sets and how Emily Blunt got was cast and all of that kind of thing. Um, what did you make of the fact that this doesn't bother kind of like tremors with where really everything, where they came from or what their purpose is? Like, you know, we don't get the, Independence Day sort of trying to figure out what the creature is all about kind of stuff here.
1: Love it. All about it. Yeah. All about it.
0: So I hope, like, my... Ultimately, I would be okay with the sequel just being another family or a couple of families or something. As opposed to it being like, here's how they landed on Earth and here's what happened.
1: Yeah, I don't even feel like... Here's their mission, or, oh, well, actually, the creatures from the first one are the stupid drones it's really about, you know.
0: Yeah, here's the smart ones for real. These are the smart ones that are going to have dialogue. Oh, geez. (laughs) Oh, God, I hope not. So, so yeah, A Quiet Place, very, very good. Um, I would say that of the movies that I saw in the theaters, this is probably my favorite one. So there you go.
1: And then we get to talk about Hereditary next week. That's right. That is
0: right. So anything else, uh, Mr. Cameron Rice, before we close this one out?
1: No, I think those are, yeah, the two movies, I really like both of them. Uh, this is fun. I love
0: rewatching yeah, stuff. Me too. Me too. So if you have any comments, suggestions or movies that you'd like to hear us talk about, you could email us at plainlabelpodcast at gmail.com. You could also follow the show over at Twitter. Our handle is at plainlabelpod. You could follow me over there. I'm at Eric Williams 79. We also have a Facebook page and an account over at Instagram. Just search for Plain Label Podcast and you'll find us there. As of recording, our latest episode is Mr. Will Pfeiffer and I talking about Uh, Darren Aronofsky and the movies, uh, the movies Pie and Mother. We did his first and last, uh, films. And it was the first time for me watching Mother and holy shit, did I have quite a reaction watching that movie. I think it's on Hulu now. I, I believe you are correct. So if you wanted to help us out a little bit, you could check out our show notes where you'll find the link to our Amazon wish list that I mentioned earlier, our Blue Apron link, and our Audible link, where, again, you can get something for free just by signing up. So I do want to thank Cameron for finding his way back to me after so many journey, years. The journey. The journey took place. <laughs> That's right. If people wanted to hear more from you or from us even way back in the archives or get in touch with you, where could they do that?
1: Ah, uh, the best place is twitter.com slash Jurassic Alien. But also, I talked a little bit about doing photographing. Yeah, uh, photo talk work, about so, that for a minute. Yeah, uh, check out over at Cam Rice Photo on Instagram, and that's just C A M R I C E Photo. Um, and I've been uh, lucky enough to kind of shoot a lot of really cool people. If you, anyone is aware of internet criticism or uh, film talk, I've shot a lot of really cool uh, people in that realm. A couple wrestlers and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, go check that out and. Uh, Other than that, Twitter, you'll usually see me linking to my work over at Hyper on Twitch and stuff like that.
0: Awesome. Awesome, awesome. All right, well, thank you for listening, and Cameron and I will be back next week with a look at the films Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and Hereditary. (laughs) Drop kick me, Jesus, through the gold holes of life. End over end, neither left nor to right, straight through the heart of the righteous uprights, drop, me, Jesus, through the goalposts of life.